Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. And so I'm excited that you're here. It's no accident that you're here. Um, uh, I will tell you, I'm going to be very upfront and honest. You have come to uh, one of our sermon series that this right here is a major lift. It's a major lift because we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about, you know, generosity. And so it, it, uh, I was challenged about a couple months ago from one of my overseers. And he was just like, hey, are you talking about this? Are you talking? He gave me about four or five things. That, are you talking about this stuff? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, are you talking about money? And I was like, no, not so much. I mean, not, not really. And he was like, if, if you don't lay the foundation of talking about that, then you're going to limit people's freedom. And, and, and you've, you're going to have to step into that. And so out of that conversation bore really this, this concept that Katie and I, we've been uh, saved and, and in ministry over 23 years. So, um, I mean, we hadn't been married. I've been in ministry over 23 years. We've been married 15. But, um, you know, and we've seen this evident in our life. And, and I think that sometimes as you start planting church and grow, you, you, you take things for granted. And, and like everybody, everybody, everybody already knows that. And, and so you just kind of go from here. But really, what made us us, and I remember times of, I mean, we, we've given away four or five vehicles. And I'm not, I'm not this is not patting on, on the back. I just remember every time God called us to do something big in the financial area. It was, also, it was always like deep size of like, Oh, oh God, <laughs> you know, and it was always like hyperventilation moments. And it was like, what did you get? What did you get? And it was crazy because we would pray about it. And hers figure would always be a little higher than my figure. And I was like, see, God doesn't want us to do it at all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you know? And, and, and just learning how to become generous is a step. It's a stage. And, and most of the things that God calls us to as believers will be uncomfortable to our flesh. Most of the thing that, that God calls us to do will be uncomfortable to our... Very, very rarely will you come to church and agree, your flesh will agree with everything. You know, they'll be like, yes, okay, bless me, heal me, change me, restore me, oh, amen. But the other parts are like, ugh. Deny yourself, you know, um, um, put yourself last, surrender, freedom, all of these, deal with issues, don't have an offense. All of those things are like, next, <laughs> can we go back to the other preaching? And, uh, and so I'm excited about the series because I think it's really going to unpack some things. And, and maybe you'll learn some things that you didn't know. And, and maybe that will confirm some things that you do know. I believe that this series is going to help unlock our body to receive blessings from the Lord because God says that He'll open up heaven when we begin to commit to giving. And we're gonna, I'm going to walk you through all of these Bible verses. There is this idea that when we're obedient to God and, and we begin to move in generosity, there is rewards 
that the Bible talks about that we can have even here. And so uh, we're gonna, we've started sharing some secrets that I think help us in generosity. We shared one last week. Go back and listen to that. Uh, we have an, an app, and you can hear all of our sermons. Um, and you will see here that uh, we have not talked a lot about money, but we about to. Because I, I think that with our society, entitlement and debt, we, the church has got to talk about money or we're going to hold back kingdom areas that God wants us to take. Does that make sense? So I'm going to start with this Bible verse, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22 through 24, and it says this. The world, the word, world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. Now, the, so there's this idea that when you begin to give, when you begin to be generous, your territory gets larger. I don't know about you, we just came after, out of Thanksgiving, and I, if you offered me the smaller piece of pie or the larger piece of pie, baby, I'm going with larger, okay? You know what I'm saying? If you have abundance for me, I'm going to go with abundance. And this is the nature of God. Not only did he send Jesus to redeem us, but now follow this. He sent Jesus to redeem us not by works, but by grace. We have been saved if we accept his lordship over our life and we surrender who we are. God sent Jesus, but that's not it. He sent the Holy Spirit. That's not it. But he sent the word so that we would know God's thoughts. And then he sent the church. And, th 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 and so it was like God could have done one. But he is an exceedingly and abundantly more than what we can ask, think, or imagine. And God is into this idea where you need this, but I'm going to provide all of this for you. Because there's so much in you that you're going to need more than what you think you're going to need. Does this make sense? I don't know about you, but, but larger and abundant. I guess there's another verse that I think will help us with this conversation that we're having. And this is kind of our key verse as we walk through the next uh, couple of weeks. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 7 says, But I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he has purpose in his heart, not begrudging or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. When we begin to do our giving, and if this is your first time to the house, we, we're not expecting anything. This is not where we're, 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 we're trying to, ooh, can, can, who, where can we get a dollar in the plate? I mean, that, that, that's not the heart of what we're doing. What we're doing is we're wanting to create a culture where people are growing larger and larger, Abundance is present, and we are people, our body of Christ is now excited to give because we've seen it work. We've seen it work. We've seen it work where, where all of a sudden we begin to give. And, and it's not that we give just to receive, but there is a benefit to, to, to giving. That's not why we give. We don't give to get. It's, it's not that. We give because giving shows the condition of our heart. It shows the condition of our heart. I don't know if you've ever kind of just looked up words in the Bible 
But I have a few here that I want you to see. I find it interesting that belief or believing is in the Bible 272 times. So that's our salvation, our conversion. Believe, belief, believe. What, who will you believe? What will you believe? Prayer, 371 times. Um, do not be afraid or do not fear. 365. Now think about that. For every day of the year, there is this idea for you to combat fear. I think sometimes we live with it. We don't even know that we're operating in fear, but insecurity, what people think, what are we going to do, how are we going to get this. Don't, do not fear 365 times. But look right here. Love. 714 times. Love, love, love. 714 times. Money. Over 800 times. And giving 2,161 times on giving. There is an idea that God is a generous God. And He, come on somebody, is a giver. He's a giver. We looked last week. And I'm just going to touch on this again. But there is a plan. The enemy has a plan. God has a plan. And, and the world system inverts what God established. That's what the world does. It corrupts what God established. And I want to show you this graphic. And I, graph, and, and, and I want you to begin to see the two types of plans. So God's plan is that our money moves our heart, which then begins to change our focus. We begin to give time. And we become givers. Now, here's the thing. Most churches, the, the, most songs in worship, come on, we just jammed on that last song. I was so good. It was like, oh, oh, well, you know, some, some. It was great. But there's not a lot of money songs in worship. Oh, bring your hundred. No, your thousand. Bring it right now. So you won't be stingy and you don't see a lot of songs. And so I think that there's a lot of breakthrough that isn't happening in the church because everything is geared to the heart. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that our heart, check this out, can be deceived. In fact, it goes so far to say that our heart cannot be trusted. That's counterculture to the society because our society trumps Feelings above facts. Well, what if I feel this way? Well, what if I feel that? Well, if I, if I feel it, it's got to be true. That's what our society says. So God says, you know what? You cannot trust your heart because here's the deal. Your heart, in one moment, you can be like, man, this is the greatest day ever. And one conversation, I hate everybody. I hate you. Nobody loves me. And you can be a roller. Come on, you just had Thanksgiving with family. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I love everybody. I hate everybody. You know, just because of one TV show. It's like, oh. That's what the Bible says. You can't trust your heart. So how do we begin to recognize where our heart is at? We talked about the rich young ruler. We don't have time to go into that today. But the reality is God will many times find out what's going on with your money. Because here's the thing. When God began to release the children of Israel, and all of them came from Pharaoh, all of them came from Egypt, they were given all of this gold, all of this silver, they were given all of this money. And what did God ask them to do? Bring me that. And let's begin to make the tabernacle tabernacle. Let's begin to make it. Why? Because God knew whatever you invest in, 
your heart will be there. Then you will begin to, to focus. You will make time and you will become a giver. Our world teaches the, the inversion of that. You give your talents. You give your mind. You give your degree. You give all of you. You give everything. You give your time, your focus, and your heart to make money. Because status is everything. Is that right? Come on. You're not worth anything until you're worth something. Right? Even the bank will tell you that. You don't own a house. You don't own anything. You rent. Come on, you ain't worth nothing. We want to give you some money, but you got to have something to, for us to give you something. And so here's the thing. We got stars. We got actors. We got musicians. We got a whole industry that works on this thought. Well, I think it was 50 Cent like a year ago. It was like, sleep? I don't sleep. What's talking about? I grind. I work. I, why, why was he saying? I give my time, my focus, and my heart to make money. The Christian inverts that. I use my money, and I begin to sow a seed. And, because the, and we talked about if you've ever done stock, ever done stock, come on, you go ahead and put, try to put $10,000 in some stock, and you will be an emotional roller coaster. When it goes up, you're like, I'll let you boy, yeah, yeah. When it goes down, it's so stupid, I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. like, and, but why? Because your heart is connected to that. Anybody got a new car? Ever get, get a new car? You know what I'm saying? Got your new car looking good? Someone hits it. It's like, how do you don't even know how much I pay? Because your heart is connected. You see what I'm saying? And so here's the thing. is for us to change this, we've got to begin to realize that is it our money or is it his money? Are we stewards or are we owners? Have we been delegated? And now we begin to have this conversation that really helps us walk into freedom. Does this make sense? As we look at this. When people become givers, it changes everything. Come on, we just had everybody together at Thanksgiving. It's better when everybody's givers. But you can tell when people aren't givers. And so don't look at anybody because I'm going to use a few examples. Just look straight, look straight, look straight. But you know, you hear it all the time. Well, what are we watching? Well, if we're going to watch that, I'm not doing it. Well, where are we going? Well, what are we doing? What game are we going to play? And now everybody is bringing, come on, their selfishness. Is this right? And so now it's very hard for the family to enjoy each other for three days. And now everybody's wanting their family to leave because nobody, because everybody's self and everybody's out for number one. And what makes me feel good rather than being a giver? Does this make sense? Okay. I know some of you are like thinking about one person right now. Stop it. Okay. Listen. Listen. My assignment today is this. It's more than a test. It's more than a test. Come on, say that with me. One, two, three. All right, that wasn't really that good. It wasn't really that good. It failed it. <laughs> Come on, one, two, three. It's that was so much better, so much better. I feel like there's a huge crowd. Let's okay. Now, now listen. Countless times I would go to school. Come on, after Thanksgiving break, after Christmas, and there would be that one teacher that would want to give a test on Monday. On Monday. And you, she knew, he knew what they, they, they knew what they were doing, okay? You know, so who 
goes on Thanksgiving or Christmas break. And so what type of child will study during Thanksgiving break? Do not raise your hand. Okay? Listen, I was not that child. I was not a test taker. I was a test faker. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? I was looking to see what I could see. And here's the issue, as I took it personal, when the teacher would hand out a test. Because then I was like, how dare you do this to me? <laughs> what kind of sick, twisted, you know what I mean? Like, you must have no life. You're like, I can't wait to get back to school and torture my children. <laughs> but here's the thing, is I had a wrong concept about the test because... The way I interpreted the test, because I was not really ready for the test, is the test produces in, in, in me, the test produced insecurity. It exposed what I knew. It, it, it dealt with what I hadn't done. It revealed my lack of responsibility. And so now, that, you know what? Let's have a culture where we do away with all tests because we want people to feel good about themselves. But the truth of the matter is, here's the thing, is the test is not to expose you. The test is to prepare you. We cannot know, come on, what we don't know. The teacher did not know what the class needed to work on, but the test revealed areas of weakness. And a good teacher wants to have their students, come on, win and not lose. Sometimes God will test us to see what is in us. He does not, he does good things. James tells us that God is a good father. He does not come and, and, and put you in a situation to lose. But he will test your character to see what is in you. Because many times we live at a higher level than what we really apply. Come on. Have you ever been in a moment where you're like, I love prayer. Prayer's great. I believe in it. How long has it been since I prayed? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? I believe the word. Oh, man, this word, that Bible, I live by it. When's the last time you prayed? You know, but what James says we can deceive ourselves and we forget, come on, what we look like. And that's why it's important for us to understand that where we're at with our generosity, I can tell you, most people don't have a money problem. Most people don't have a church problem. Most people don't have a spouse problem. Most people don't have a child problem. Most people have a giving problem. In this relationship, I've gone as far as I'm prepared to go, and I'm not going to give anymore. In this relationship with my parents, I'm not going to give. In this, and so here's the deal. Frustration and tearing apart happens. Breakdown happens because someone decided, come on, to stop giving. Is this right? Listen, when there is a giving problem, we take that back a step further and realize that there is a God problem. There's an issue. There's a hardness in my heart. There's an area where I don't want to be flexible. There, and so what happens is God's plan produces surrender and then unleashes purpose. The enemy's plan makes us selfish 
and moves us to pride. And here's the deal. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with a prideful person? Have you ever tried to, to, to have a workable relationship with someone who is never wrong? Don't look around, don't look around, don't look around. <laughs> have you ever, does that make sense? Have you ever, because here's the thing. The Bible says that unless we agree, you cannot walk together. We got to get back to giving and we've got to get back to generosity. Malachi chapter 3, 6 through 12. We're going to spend the rest of our time in this text. Is this good? Are y'all, are you, is it, uh, hopefully you're learning something here. Malachi chapter 3, 6 through 12. For I, the Lord, do not change. Okay, <laughs> what does that mean? Okay, for the deeply studied, for the astute, he don't change. Like, uh, I don't know how to tell you that. But God says the same. Jesus in Hebrews 13 tells us, I am the same yesterday, come on, today and forever. I do not change. Therefore, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. For the days of your father you have turned aside from my statures and not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. Whoa, 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 hold on. I'm a believer. I made Jesus the Lord of my life. What does that mean, return? What? That's Old Testament. We don't, even, we don't even agree. We're under a new dispensation. In Revelations chapter 2, verse 4 through 5, it says, But I have this one thing against you, that you have abandoned your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at the first. Come on. For some of you, maybe you've never been saved. And I would invite you to surrender your heart and make Jesus the Lord of your life. But for some of you, come on, you remember when you first got saved and, and it meant something to you. Do you know strategically and, 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 and uh, not strategically, but uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, statistically, thank you. I appreciate it. Way, way to go. Um, is the people who invite people to church are people who just got saved. The people who just get saved, if you'll look at the average, they are 80% more likely to invite someone to church than people who have been in church for more than five years. Here's what I'm saying. We end, we forget. And we may, even coming to church, we can make church about us. Even coming, who didn't say hi to me? What didn't they say? What person did the pastor, did the pastor talk? Did they look at me? Did they not look at me? And before we know it, here's the deal. We're a group of people, listen, that are not giving, but we're all coming to receive. And here's the deal. There are moments when our heart is shattered and it is broken and you need to receive. But there are days, most days, that you need to walk in wherever you go. And the Bible says that you are the light of the world. You are the city on the hill. And you come and you bring joy and you bring light and you bring this stuff. And here's the deal. You don't wait for someone. Well, if you show me a little light, I'll show you a little light. You know what I'm saying? Jesus talked about that. You do good to those who that do good to you. And so everybody's repaid. But what about doing good to those that don't return it? In fact, your enemy... Love them if they strike. Does it doesn't make sense? We're talking about giving. The Bible talks about if someone asks you to walk a mile, you walk two. In the wind, it was very windy. <laughs> this would not be a two-mile day. This would be a two-mile treadmill day, and we're going to have to negotiate on where we're walking. My point is, 
that if we're not careful, we will think we're somewhere where we're not. Even Paul said it, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it said, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. By the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Can I make the argument that even as a believer, you can drift? I'm not saying lose your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. But you can drift. You can drift just like a married couple. If they're, if they're, listen, it's crazy. For some of you, you are married. We're going to talk a little bit. For those of you who are not, you're just going to have to go with the, the, the analogy. But it's very easy. Come on, I met Katie, saw her, dated her. Come on, the hunter is hunting. Yeah. And so she's precious, wonderful, great. And, and, and there's this, this, this old saying. It's before marriage, opposites attract. After marriage, opposites attack. Come on, you know. And it's amazing that all of a sudden this precious lily that makes my life so much better. She says something that offends me. She hurts my feelings. I mean, I do that more to her than she does to me, but there's still this 80-20 rule. And so my point is that we can drift. You know, we have four kids, and people all the time are like, man, you must really love kids. No, I'm like, I really love my wife. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But here's what happens is responsibility comes, and, and it's crazy. You used to sit by each other, and now it's like, doo -doo -doo -doo. And, 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 and before you know it, we're managing all the responsibility, but we forgot to manage us. And you drift. If we'll drift from the first time we walked a aisle or raised a hand and said, God, here I am. I, I, I'm done. I'm done with it all. I give you everything. I give you my offenses. I give you my past. I give you my rejection. I give you my addictions. I am done. And you left church feeling I'm going to preach to anybody. Gas station person. <laughs> Server at on the border. It's the dip hot. You want to know what else is hot? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let me teach you about Jesus. <laughs> Hopefully you haven't done that. My, my, my point is it's easy to drift. It's easy to drift. And, and, and look at this. From the days of your father, you have turned aside from the statutes and not kept them. Return to me and I will return says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how am I robbing you? Well, I, I don't understand. What are you talking about? I don't get it. I don't understand. Listen. In tithes and offerings. Listen to this. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me of the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. I understand as a believer, Jesus took the curse. We are not under a curse in the new covenant. But there are still consequences, come on, for disobedience. If you commit adultery, there's going to be a consequence. 
Can God forgive you, restore you, and you go on? Absolutely. Let's just be real. Can I be real for about 15 seconds? Okay? And then we'll hopefully say something funny. But listen, if you lie, the consequence of that is that people will no longer be able to completely trust your word, and you will have to gain back what you lost. If you steal, come on, fine-finger discount. Listen, listen. Come on, we just had to work with that with uh, one of our, do- look, our daughters. She, she, she saw money around the house, and she thought it was hers. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, listen, this ain't no trick-or-treat, girl. <laughs> listen. And so she's been taken, and I went, and she went and out with her cousins and pulled out this wallet and had like $85. And Katie was like, do you have a job I don't know about? She's like, yes, cleaning up. <laughs> So we had to have a real talk, like real, like, okay, you got, all that you bought has to go back. You have to give us all the money back. And she's like, okay. you know, it's a moment. But the truth is, listen, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will act like because we are under the blood, there are no consequences to our actions, and that is not true. And I believe that we are at a society where we are, because people want to live however they want to live, and there needs to be no consequences for life. Does that make sense? The truth is, there are consequences. There are consequences. And, and as we look at this and we talk about the tithe, you see, ownership was the issue. When you see your possession as a, I am stewarding what God has given me, then ownership's never in question. Generous people don't have to see God's, uh, generous people, they don't see God's provision as something that they can control or own. Rather, they see God's provision as something they get to steward. Tithing is basically 10%. It's 10% of your, tithe means a tenth. And, and, And there are a lot of people that now, would say, well, tithing is an Old Testament. It, it, it was under the law. It wasn't under the law. It was with Abraham. It was way before that. But, but here's the bigger question that I have for you. Because many times when I get into conversations like this, the conversation goes like this. I, I, I'm not sure that tithe is for now for the believer. And I would say, okay, does God want us to give? Of course God wants to give. Okay, when is the last time you have measured your giving Because here's the thing, if our money is the sign of our heart, then I can look at a bank statement and I can see what you love. Come on, some of you, I'm just going to be honest. You looked at my bank statement, would you see the kingdom or would you just see Popeye? Let's just be, can we be real? Would you see Sprite or would you see, what would you see? What would you see? Well, here's the deal, you would see the kingdom. And you would see a recurring thought of surrender because you know what? I could take that money and I could rob God and I could steal it and I could bring it over here and do whatever I want. But here's the thing. There is a closed window on your life. Because God gives seed to the sower and God has this idea 
first invest, the first commandment of the ten. It's me. It's God. Have no other God before me. Money is a representation. And we give him first. Bring your first fruits. We're going to talk about Cain and Abel uh, uh, next week. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be really better than this one. Uh, 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 But listen, a tithe means a tenth. Why did God use ten? Ten was all throughout the Bible. There were ten generations from Adam to Noah. The Holy Spirit descended on the, the on I don't know what I'm saying. Apostles after the tenth day of Jesus' ascension, there were ten lepers healed by Jesus. Ten times Jesus said, "I am." Ten times in Genesis chapter one, we find the phrase, "And God said." There were plagues. Let's talk about this. Plagues in Egypt. How many were there? Come on, help me, help me, help me. There were what? Good, that was nice. How many, commandment, how many commandments are there? Ten. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? I know I said virgin. That's kind of weird for some of y'all, but it's in the Bible. How many were tested? Ten. Ten. On the day, how many days are tested that are mentioned? Listen, how many days of test are mentioned in Revelation chapter 2? How many disciples were there? Okay, good. I'll just check it. Okay, I know that was stupid, but I just I had to throw it in there. Ten, a percentage. Why was that important? Because, because it didn't matter your income. If you made very, very little or you made a lot. And can I just tell you this? If you have been blessed, and it doesn't matter what spectrum because we live in America, you just need to know we're blessed. We're blessed. We, we, we just are. Here's the concept. Is don't rob God his first. Because that is an act of obedience and faith. And the Bible says that God will open. Listen, I got four kids. And I'm not, when I think about blessings, I'm not thinking just monetary. I'm not thinking about making money. I'm thinking about their life. I'm thinking about generations. I'm thinking about who they're going to marry. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about so many other things, but I am honoring God. And when I bring my family up here and we pray, I am letting them know God is first. God is first. I love your mama, but God is first. And then she's second. And y'all believing. But let me just, but here's the thing. And I'm honored. Does that make sense? And so I'm growing up this generation that will long, long outlive what we are doing. Here's the, say, here's the deal. It began to say, you have robbed me with your tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings, that's both. And here's the thing. You have to make sure there's food in my house. That's what the, that's what the verse said. Make sure there's food in my house. Can I tell you this? We are in a culture where everyone wants to know the why. Why, why, why? And here's the deal. That didn't come up with some really cool guy that now has like 5 billion views. You know, Simon, whatever his name is, yeah. And he didn't start. God told the why. Why do we bring the tithe to the storehouse? Why do we bring it to the house? So there will be food in my house. 
if we the believers, listen to this, and I'm not saying this. I'm going to give you some stats here in a second. I'm not saying this because I want something from you. I'm saying this because I want something for you. God said, if you'll take care of my house, I'll take care of your house. Come on, somebody. God, that's what God said. You take care of my house. Why is that? You, it's our job, if this is your church, to make sure there's food here, spiritual food. So we are seeing marriages, ministry. We're seeing young moms. We're seeing uh, men, women. We're seeing all of this growth happen. And many of you would say that, man, in the last year, there's been a lot of growth in my life. And I have actually taken another step in my faith. Why? Because there's food in the house. There's food in the house. And it's our job to keep food in this house. Spiritual food. We do outreach. We do a bunch of different things. And I just want to tell you just real quick the breakdown of what we do and how we do it. I'm not teaching this because we need money. Right now, we are a young church, and, and we are learning infrastructure. We are learning how to do things, but we have a good government system. I would encourage you to go through Framework and check us out. We'll start that back in January. But right now, we have $46,000 in a savings account. We have over twenty in our checking account. We are not hurting. We have grown by 36% over the last year in our tithe and in our offering. As of last uh, week, I think it was $286,000, has come in, in just uh, uh, from January to November. Well, we're not hurting, but there is vision in this house, and there are two things that move it along, provision and people, provision and people, and God says, if you'll take care of my house, then I will begin to take care of you, and here's what happens, when you sow into this, your listening goes up, when you sow into this, your heart begins to change, when you sow into this, here's what happens, is you are a byproduct of the growth that happens here, and it begins to happen in your own life, that, that's how it is, for us, let me just tell you, we give 10% right off the top. And this is how we run the church. We do 10% giving, 35% salaries, 35% building, and 20% operations. We set our budget for the year based on 90% of what came in last year. So there will always be buffer and we're going to be growing. We're not going to spend to the end of our means. For us as a church, we give into four areas. These are four major areas that we give in. And I'm just letting you know. First is ARC. ARC is the Association of Related Churches. In 18 years, they have launched. We have been a part. My family, then we came here. We grew. We are an ARC church. In 18 years, there's been 806 churches that have been planted. Okay, come on. That's good. This last year, get ready, get your clap on, because we're going to clap a lot, okay? Just get ready, golf clap, it doesn't matter, just don't sting your hands, it hurts, okay? But this last year, 76 churches were planted, and on launch day, their first day, which we had a launch day, on launch day of their first day, 766 salvations were made, decisions for Christ. 
we give a portion of that to art. Then we give a portion to Church on the Rock, Network of Ministers. They go in and they do ministry with churches that are under 300, 250, and they connect with pastors. You know, there's a lot of rural churches. And you may look at us and go, well, are you all that? But the truth of the matter is we are building leaders here. We are building infrastructure. If you stay around long, you will see that there are a lot of leaders. And we have a pipeline here, and we're growing something. But there are some that are that are just haven't had a lot of training. They just started a church because they love God, but they didn't they didn't really know about any anything. And so they go in and they connect with those pastors. They love on their families. They shepherd them. They help them financially. They come in and they give us support because I'm just telling you, the rural churches are still very, very important. Come on, somebody. And so they minister to those. Also, they have a ministry in Kenya and a ministry in, in, uh, in uh, southern uh, India that we support. Be the One Ministries is something that we started in 2012. Katie and I, it's a nonprofit, and it's our outreach arm for young people for the next generation. We teach them outreach. We go on mission trips. We do discipleship training. We do free training for youth pastors and student pastors where we will travel there at our expense and go teach them how to run and disciple young people. I'm telling you, there have been many, many young people who have been here and come because of the relationship that they we have had with Be The One Ministries. And so we are always outreach. We have this concept where we want to live better outside the walls, and we do that with Be The One Ministries. The House Local. Since we've started, we have done over 26 outreaches at, in our church. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? In, in less than three years or two and a half years, that's a lot. Okay, that's a lot. Now, for you, that is ministering to football players at Pea Ridge. That's doing at the rack where we have over 1,200 people come for Easter. That is, we care about our community, and we're making an impact here, here. And so I just want you to know when you're coming, and the reason I'm talking to you is not, this is not a sales pitch. God said Make sure there's food in the house. When you come and bring your tithe, you are helping people more than what you see here, and you're keeping food, come on, in the house. Here's the last thing. It says, test me in this. Test me in this. Test me in this. As we look over this, there is a statistics, and, and countless statistics. Go ahead and put that next slide up there, where... Tithers are just better off financially. Tithers are just better off financially. Hey, guys, will y'all put this up for me real quick? They're just better off. And I didn't come up with these figures. Here's the thing. As we look at this, I believe there is a spiritual principle connected to your tithe. And this is not for the people who have money. I told last year, I grew up in poverty. My parents got divorced. I was adopted from a foster home. We grew up in poverty, and we got married. And let me just tell you something. I joked about the fact that once we got married, man, they wanted to give us a credit card. I was like, thank you, Jesus. They, they just want to bless me. Yes, Lord. And after two or three years, we... 
Katie and I just realized we got into, we read a couple books, and I'll, I'll just tell you, we read the ABCs of Finances, we read The Blessed Life by Robert Morris, and we, we went through Dave Ramsey, and we began to discipline, and here's what we realized, that the enemy was devouring what God was giving us, because here's the truth, we loved us, and we, there, there was only self-indulgence for us. There was no savings. There was no delayed gratification. And so we developed this concept, and we've been practicing this for the last 12 years, and it is tithe 10, save 10, live on 80. Tithe 10, save 10, and live on 80. And out of that, we've been able to write some pretty good checks for offering for the church that we grew up in. We were able to give away five different cars. We were able to grow and grow and grow. And now here we are. Does that make sense? And for the first time, which we think is we're real close, we're about to purchase a home and, and build our first home. We started in a trailer that for $13,000. Believe in God for that. I'm just telling you. God gives seed to the sower, but here's the deal. It is crazy to ask for a thousand when you cannot manage ten. If we cannot manage a hundred, God will not bless you with a thousand. God is not a lotto God. Come on, yeah, shake it, baby. 7-Eleven. Backdoor little Joe. Come on, baby. No, no, no. God is into stewardship. And he wants us to manage, come on somebody, what we've been given. Here's the, here's the secret. This is number two. This is our secret for today. Generosity unlocks the door to new opportunity. Generosity unlocks the door to new opportunity. What new opportunity could you step into next year? What new opportunity could you, what new opportunity could you, here's the deal. What I believe is there is a connection from your generosity to your next opportunity. And we say it like this, you want to sow where you want to go. The reason that we sow into ARC is because I believe we're going to launch seven churches as we grow up and build people as we can. The reason we sow into the Church on the Rock is because they're very gifted and they do a lot of missions. And I believe that we're going to do a lot of missions. We sowing, come on, where we want to go. So here is the challenge that I have for you. Is And I'm, I'm not sure if, if they're out. Maybe they are. But for those that are here. This is the generosity plan. It's not the generosity information. Okay? And so back here is a plan. If you want to do nothing, you get to make the last decision. Okay? There's no pressure here. I'm not looking for something from you. But here's the deal. Maybe your first plan is, I'm going to spend the next 90 days getting us to 10%. Maybe your plan is, I'm going to start tithing. Because I got some things that I want God to touch. This is a plan for you. And you know what? We're not going to start it till January the 1st. 
So you can take it, pray about it, do, don't do. There is absolutely no pressure. And this is not a pledge card. Listen to what I'm saying. This is not a pledge card. This is a plan for you. I believe there's way more ministry in this house than what you've seen. I believe there's leaders here that have not yet been developed. And I'm, I believe that if we keep food in this house, you're going to see it grow. Does that make sense? Last week we talked about a small offering for uh, some single moms. And um, I'm going to ask you guys to stand up with me real quick. You, if you're new and you, you didn't know anything about that, that's fine. Uh, if this is your first time and you didn't know anything about that, that's fine. But if, if you decided, you made a decision, you know what, I'm going to do that. And, and a lot of people already gave on the app and, and we're going to bless some single moms in our church. And I just remember, come on, I remember that. I, I, single mom, two kids. Man, there was times that Christmas was hard. And I just wanted to step into that and be a church that, you know what, we love you, we see you, we support you. And so in the back, as Stephen plays this last song, if you want to go to the bucket and, and pray over that, and you want to give, maybe you have 20, maybe you have 10, maybe you have 15, maybe you want to write a check or do it on the app. I, I mean, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. Whatever we get, we're just going to give that. But in all three services, people have been coming together and taking a step towards generosity, and I believe that it's going to change, come on, your life. Stephen, will you sing this little word? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.